Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Go do this. Go do this. Did you eat this? What did you get? What would that look like? Mm. How did that feel? You're not giving them a a true sense of your time and your energy because it's not truly active listening. You're looking for a response. You're not looking for uh, a thought process or a deeper conversation. And I mean, I get at a certain age for some children, for sure, that takes a little bit longer. But the sooner you start that, the sooner they're going to open up in a much easier way. And you've got, like you said, that zero to six, zero to seven age, mm-hmm. that, that wiring there is so important. And if you can work on the self-love piece and the self-worth piece and teaching that growth mindset that early, it's gonna make life so much easier. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today. You're already on my nerves. Good. I don't even know why. Because I'm here. Yeah. In uh, Kelsey Sharon, Canadian terrorist, <laughs> whatever the fuck else. Uh, you're a terrorist, right? Yeah. Last time I checked. Sweet. How's yeah. that going? It's. I mean, it's been uh, hurting business, but we're, we're doing all right. What do you mean hurting business? I don't know. There's something about that CRTC censorship within the algorithms that are really mm. fucking things up up there. Well, yeah. Canada's dumb, so... Mm-hmm. Or just falling do? and crumbling in front of your eyes. Yeah, but you know, at least you get to bear witness. I know it's fun. It's like I get perspective. Mm-hmm. It would be. It would suck to be um, the next generation. You know, just because you don't get to see it all crumble. <sighs> I the, mean, we don't get to see it crumble, but there'll be participants for sure. Um, what do you mean? Well, I mean, the generations below us are perpetuating behaviors that are causing our society to spiral out of control. Where do you think they learned that? <clears throat> I think our school systems have dropped the ball for a long time. And it's sure. not all parents because the, I know It's a lot mostly of, parents. I think there's, a, listen, there's 99% of it, the ownership's on parents, but you got to remember <clears throat> too, your children are being influenced for eight hours a day by people that are not around you. Sure, yeah. They also get influenced by germs and all sorts of other things, right? No, and 100%. If you, uh, if you 
raise your children in a way that make them resilient physically and mentally, then that's not a problem. Yeah, it's interesting to try and do that effectively in Canada. Unless you live in the more prairie provinces or the rural areas, it's quite interesting to see how children are developing. Knowing people that live northern BC, their kids versus the children that grow up in Vancouver. Are... Ooh. Yeah, it's weird, huh? Yeah, it's just different. It's just different. But I mean, it. I think for the most part, if you can instill critical thinking as one of the main, you know, right and wrong critical thinking, the ability to ask questions and boundaries within yourself, I think you're going to raise an all right kid up there. Here's what I won't do. I'm tired of hearing about millennials and Gen Z being something being wrong with them or them being different. That we, we invented these people. Right. You got to take responsibility for that. It's, it's nonsense now. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of hearing about um, fucking, especially from our generation. Our generation, like, it, here, here's a good way to put this. <clears throat> we blamed all of our problems on our parents being latchkey kids, falling asleep at the wheel with regard to civil liberties and all this shit. Um, and then we raise a new generation that's even worse than us, and then we blame them and our parents, but not ourselves. Oh, I think we're, the, to, we're the, I think we're to blame in a lot of different ways. The critical part of blaming yourself isn't about the blame; it's about taking responsibility so you can fix it. And I'm, t- I'm just tired of hearing about oh this new generation, blah blah blah. Like that's your fucking that's like saying you've got a dog that misbehaves. You're the one that fucking raised that dog and trained it. You know what I mean? No, for sure. I think you see that a lot. Uh, I can only ever speak to my son, my son's school system because that's the one I'm, I'm, you know, intimately exposed to. But mm-hmm. I will say that the school system and the pa- it's it's you walk to the school and then you see the parents that are bringing the kids and then you go, oh. What does yeah. that mean? Like they're purple hairs? Sorry, sorry, say that again. They have purple hair or something. What do you mean? Oh yeah, there's that. There's just the chronically morbidly obese, unhealthy people mm-hmm. who don't look after themselves. You know, they put. I see that a lot with parents and and. I get a lot of flack for this, but parents put their kids up here and then they put their spouse up underneath and then they put themselves last. And then they wonder why the behaviors and the um, not only behaviors, but the habitual uh, way that their children are picking up on cues and the importance of self-care and looking after themselves mentally. uh, It definitely falls under the parent. But if you have a terrible example, then of course you're going to fall into the same behaviors. I mean, I had a... There was a child in my son's kindergarten class and grade one class. He's not, that child's not with him now. But I can remember distinctly this parent saying, well, this child has autism and then her other son had autism. And the way that she treated that child by shoving, literally opening a peg of candy in the morning, every morning, putting it in her hand and then shoving it into her mouth at 8 a.m. And then questioning and wondering why she couldn't sit still and she was struggling to focus and all these things while being morbidly obese herself. So I'm not saying that she didn't have some predisposition or trauma to get to that point where she was unhealthy in her own way. But when you're raising kids, if you are the example, then you better have that dialed because it is up to the parents. But you also see when you drop them off at the schools, the teachers are unhealthy. They're overweight. They have their own opinions on things, and they seem to have no boundaries or reasons why they they don't teach it to our children or expose it to them. This year, we were lucky. We have incredible teachers this year, but whew, it's rough up there. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people make the mistake of putting their kids first above their spouse. It's always a mistake. I couldn't agree with you more, and people don't like that comment, but I will say that if 
and the way I rationalize it is if your spouse and you are not dialed and you're not 100%, mm-hmm. how is your family unit supposed to be solid? And what are they witnessing? Yeah, well, kids learn more from observation than they do from experience, mm-hmm. right? So, um, like, try to – here's two – Here's two a little thought experiment, and you can do it in real life too if you if you want. But um, try to teach your kid a mechanical skill, mm-hmm. and then just casually say certain words around them for a week and see which one they pick up first. Right? Oh, it's always going to like be the skill. The brain the brain works that way. No, 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 it'll never be the skill. See, I see the opposite with Jack. I see if we show him the skill. Mm. And we're like, it's a, it has to be a tactile, hands-on mm. engineering type skill. If we show him that, he'll hold that more than he'll hold, hold the words. Uh, I mean, like, if you say, if you swear around your kids, they're mm. going to swear is what I'm talking about. And the oh, way, influence in that yeah, way. Yeah, like the way you the way you speak to uh, your kids is one thing, but the way they see you interact with other people is a much more, mm. uh, I guess, it has a, a much larger effect on their um, upbringing. So one of the things that I say a lot is... Um, Everything a young boy learns about how he's supposed to treat women, he learns from how dad treats mom, and and also a young girl learns how she's supposed to be treated by men, and then also how she's supposed to behave towards uh, her future partner, you know, respect and such. Um, so the the idea that you would prioritize the kid makes them uh, egocentric, mm-hmm. which is not ever a good thing. I mean, you, it, it's the the first let's say seven years of a kid's life it's it's probably six but more seven for dude for young boys because mm-hmm. they they just learn slower about social stuff than girls do but uh the first seven years of their life it's really important to let them know that life's not all about them right mm-hmm. like i know the first six to 18 months you want as much contact skin to skin with mom and dad as possible but after that you know you have to start letting them take manageable risk over time, low-level conflict resolution, and see a good example of what a relationship looks like. Everything, Every relationship, both friend and romantic, they'll have for the rest of their life will be based on how mom and dad interact with each other. No, of course. So if you're putting someone before your wife, that's fucking stupid. Like, that'll never work. You're going to fuck your kids up doing that. See, I totally agree with that, but a lot of people push back and say, well, your children are supposed to be the most important thing that ever happened. No, no. Well, maybe they are, but like but it, put, not for the, maintenance, you have the, to look after other things. The, the the effort you're putting into to that has to make sense. Still, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, coddling people doesn't work. Well, we've seen that. Um, and you know, I, I fuck, that's just really dumb to me. Like, think think about the kind the the, the prototype kid that gets the most. Um, I guess direct attention from their parents, uh, or not—that's not the right way to put that. The kind of kid that gets undisciplined contact with their parents, right? So, like, not being held accountable and stuff like that. It's a—it's like an affluent only child, mm. the worst person in the world. A fucking only child that grew up wealthy is almost invariably going to be a piece of shit as an adult right mm-hmm. they just don't learn anything about being a real person ever um then that's what you you can on a smaller scale you're doing that to your even if you've got multiple kids you're doing that if if you treat them that way and what what it happens is their life becomes about um they, they expect affirmation and admiration and respect without 
having to do the work for. There's a disconnect mm-hmm. between effort and outcome for them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you should make your kids work for your affection. That's not what I mean. But there should be, like, you shouldn't pat them on the back when they do the wrong thing. Right. Right. Because it, it doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm not a taskmaster or a disciplinarian. I don't think those things work either. Uh, what we know about classical conditioning is, yeah, you can use negative reinforcement in classical conditioning, but positive reinforcement is always better. Like, how do you train a dog with food, right? Mm-hmm. Not with... Not by smack. If you if you like hit your dog or yell at your dog, you're not doing shit. Right. And I think it's the same for kids, to be honest. Although, if I would never hit my daughter in any kind of way because that's not appropriate. But if my son is doing something dumb, like trying to jam a fork in the electrical socket, mm-hmm. I'm gonna smack on the back of the head. Like, what are you doing, dumb dumb? Go outside and play. What's the matter with you? Yeah. Well, there's a there's a way to do things. I don't. I've never put my hands on our son, but I. There has been moments where I've been in the same situation as I remember being as a kid. And then what the response was with the smack up the side of the head kind of thing versus me not doing that and seeing the the difference in that behavior. It's been it's been interesting because I'm really, really careful with head injury and any sort of tap to the head. And so we like in terms of soccer, we don't even you know, there is no heading the ball off the, the frontal lobe that's just not, not not even allowed for a reason. So I'm I'm hyper aware of it from that perspective. But I think there's a way to, especially with boys, positive affirmation works incredibly well. But it's also about when you're having these conversations with these kids, there's a lot to to be said about just being present when you're actually having the conversation and listening to them rather than just responding and get having them do what you want them to do. Because I think you get a lot of these parents who, especially post-COVID, are very anxiety-ridden and they really do struggle with communication with their children. And so because they're heightened, then they respond to their children in that manner when most of the time, if you just got down to their level, looked them eye to eye and spoke to them in a normal tone, they will respond exactly how you want them to. Yeah. But it shouldn't be from a fear uh, yeah. At all. No, definitely not fear. Like your kids should not be afraid of you. Right. That's that's weird that you would that anybody like that. That's how my dad was. He wanted mm-hmm. to discipline through fear, but that's weak, right? Right. That's like um, corporal punishment is always a sign of weakness, in my opinion. Well, it's easy. Yeah, that's like it, take the more difficult road. It takes more time to sit your kids down and observe them and make sure they're not out doing stupid shit and all this stuff. But I mean, don't tell me you care if right. you're taking shortcuts. You know what I mean? What the yeah. fuck? Um, but then on the other hand of that, uh, that with little boys, especially roughhousing is a big, it's, it's a very important part of growing up, right? There's a lot of new research about this. There's a lot of old research about this too. A guy named Lawrence Cohen, um, has written a couple of books. One of them is playful parenting. And the other one is the art of roughhousing. I think two different books, but the same general message, which is, um, combative play for little boys that they learn in the home. They learn to have a measured response. They learn to, um, when you get popped in the face a little bit or body slammed or whatever it is, you learn to not just get angry and see red in that situation. You can stay calm in uh, chaotic situations, which is a fucking skill. That's not a a talent. Like you don't, you're not born with that shit. No, it's learned behavior. You learn that stuff. So that, and then they go out into the world, they go out to the playground and they're not the kid that's biting kids and fucking hitting kids with sticks and shit. You know what I mean? They're wrestling around. They're still having fun. They know that that's okay, but they're not taking it overboard. That's a really important lesson for kids to learn. I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. We had an incident a couple weeks ago that happened right before, I guess it was right before Christmas with our son's school. And they were 
roughhousing over a football. Two classes, same age. It wasn't a bunch of older kids. It was younger children. They were roughhousing. And one of the teachers, we got an email. We got a massive email. And they said, look, all of the boys just went mental and were, you know, punching each other in the face and roughhousing over this ball because the one team think they shouldn't have had it. So their response, this is the school's response. Tomorrow, what we're going to do is we're going to take those children that were roughhousing who weren't honest to God hurting anyone. They were roughhousing, doing what boys do at this age. And we're going to make them in front of the whole school go around and pick up garbage. And then that's going to be their form of punishment. So our response back was a ton of data around boys roughhousing, as well as the idea that we are coddling these children, as well as shaming them in front of an entire school because you're not equipped mentally to handle what just mm. happened. So instead, you're going to go use them as janitorial services because yeah. you're too cheap to Well, pay. I mean, really, they just want to publicly embarrass them. That's and I said point. that's not happening. We weren't yeah. allowing that. That's unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, it's good. This, this you know, fucking uh, banging each other around like that as young boys. Like, one of the most important things it does physiologically is it, it – trains their body to process cortisol really well, mm -hmm. right? So the other way that you learn to process cortisol really well is to become resilient after abuse. You'll see um, a very high percentage of special operators in the West and in US, Canada, and other places came from broken homes or abusive homes, right? And one of the things, one of the ways, uh, Kate, I think Kate Pate told me about this. One of the ways this manifests itself physiologically is that they burn cortisol at a much higher rate than average people do. So when they get into stressful situations, it doesn't turn into depression or any of that, or, or anger. It's just like focus, right? Right. Um, and you can, there's, look, there's a hard way to learn that the way I did. And there's a fucking easy way to learn it, which is just to be productive, you know, productive and like get, you know, be, take your kid to fucking wrestling to WWE and then bring them home and fucking body slam them into the bed and shit like that when they're six years old. It's it, like, it's fucking stupid, but that's a really, it, we, we do it. Dudes do it because it's fun. Right. You know what I mean? And we like hanging out with our kids and shit like that. But really there is a, a very tangible benefit, not just in the short term, but for the whole fucking life of that child. Well, you see it. There's a, like you said, I really love the idea of they learn their own strength. They realize what it feels like to get popped in the face. They understand that when you, hurt others you can get hurt back so there's a responsible way to handle it i do know that's one thing that happens in our home quite frequently it's our living room is turned into like a wwe like mm. smackdown regular i'm just waiting for someone to smash their face off the coffee table but i see how much happier it makes my son when he has those moments it's He's, you can see he's not only learning about himself, but he's learning the boundaries with being a human being. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the greatest tools you can give them. Yeah, it's like uh, the same with a dog. Like, I, I can't keep comparing children to dogs. But it's fine. You do it, though, a we lot. Do, we, do tr we do train them the same way, right? right. Through, like, it's not operant conditioning. It's classical conditioning for the most part because they have, uh, while they're mammalian brains, they're still operating at a rudimentary level, right? They, right. Don't, they don't have a broad spectrum, like, social skill set yet. Um, so little mechanical things are super important for little kids um yeah you see like a dog that's not socially conditioned to rough house with other dogs will take it too far as well right every time like they'll bite whatever the fuck mm -hmm. um and sometimes it happens you know it boils over sometimes but for the most part those children and animals that have exposure to that low-level conflict at an early age just they're more polite really i guess
You know? Well, I mean, that's the thing we've done. We put him in jujitsu right away so mm-hmm. he could understand his own strength, but also where the, the lines are. You know, it's one thing to de-escalate a situation, which I would prefer, mm-hmm. rather than a striking violence. I just think it's an easier way to manage, and it's often that child walks away as someone that's unharmed, which I would prefer. But I think little boys in general, they're going to be rough, and anybody who tries to to stifle that is going to deal with an interesting teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cunt. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. Um, and that's it's, it's part of being a leader, right? Like, um, all all of these things that we've been talking about so far are about being a leader. It's like you take the time to not just do what always has always been done or what you want to do, but what works, right? Mm-hmm. Like what we know works for these kids. Um, and then the way you behave at home, life is stressful. People fucking get mad. People get hurt sometimes, blah, blah, blah. But it's like you can't you can't be yelling at each other in front of your kids. That can never happen. Like I mean it's no. it I'm 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 not telling you that you failed if it's happened before, but I'm telling you right now that you need to fucking knock that shit off. So the long term damage of, of yelling as a form of communication, I grew up that way. Mm-hmm. And having a child now, you can see how you fall back into those behaviors. So you have to be really, really cognizant and so that's just about bringing it to the awareness and i think once people are aware of it they're more inclined to stop it i think a lot of times what happens is people get so caught up in their lives and the busyness of everything and they get into these ruts where they don't even realize how they're communicating they don't realize the style in which they're doing it and who they're doing it in front of until all of a sudden you're you see one child in the home start yelling at the other child and you go well don't yell at your sister but then you have to realize that's just a mirror that's being held up to you. And whether you're ready to accept that or not is a different different conversation. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, a, a trap, really. You know, some people, if you, if you stay in that environment long enough or if you're exposed to it as a child, a lot of people, and we all know people like this, some of us are people like this or have been in the past, you can only communicate that way. It can, you can only communicate in a combative way, right? Yep. Like you don't understand how to have a soft but uh, serious, I guess, conversation without it getting out of hand. So that's a problem that you can't – because then you can't, like, your your partner or whomever, even if it's just in business, your, your coworkers and shit, um, aren't going to want to approach you with a problem. So now you're, now you're damaging the meritocracy, right? You're damaging the, the, the system that keeps everything in line mm-hmm. um, because it's not, it's not going to be able to function properly if they can't come to you. And then the other part of that is – the person that's damaged in this way and refuses to fucking fix themselves is when things are good and calm, they're going to be uncomfortable and they're going to find right. ways to start conflict. Cause that's the only way they know how to, they want that closeness. Right. But right. that's, uh, they feel lonely when things are going good and that's fucked. Right. I mean, that's like, it, it's not just fucked because it fucks up situations ends relationships, but it's fucked because they'll never be happy ever. I think that's I was like that for like a good five years of our marriage because I was still in that state where the the idea of calm was immediately uh, anxiety provoking because that had never been a normal situation communication I'd never seen it I'd never experienced it. it's like what's wrong what's he not telling me oh yeah you just start there has to be something wrong so like well no there doesn't no sometimes you just like you said you want to start conflict because you Mm. feel comfortable in that and I think that's that emotional intelligent portion where people at certain ages if they were never taught those skills, this is where the accountability and the responsibility in whether it's your family or whatever business you're in, that leadership 
skill needs to be developed that communication skill needs to be developed and that's where you have to reach out for information to improve that now that requires again accountability and responsibility and action and that is where people they lag they may know what they're doing is wrong not know how to change it or know what they're doing is wrong want to change it but are unwilling to do the work to change it mm. yeah. yeah it sucks man because you know again we're all uh we are all living with the damage done to us, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, by whether it's by ourselves or by parents or whatever the fuck else. But so has every other person in the history of the goddamn world. Right. I don't know. Like we, at some point in the last fifty years or so, it, it's become okay for that to be an excuse not to make yourself better. For you know sure, I mean? it's an excuse, and you're seeing it being utilized, and that excuse being like a broad stroke across society right now. There's always an excuse for everything. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a trauma. Well, yeah, I mean, but everybody does, right? I mean, no, I'm, I'm not being facetious. Yeah. Everyone has a trauma, and we're all just kind of waking up to the idea that, oh, maybe, hey, the way I was raised that way wasn't ideal or healthy. Mm. So people are just kind of waking up to it. Yeah, if you catch yourself saying the phrase, that's just the way I am, then you need to fucking pump the brakes on that bullshit. I mean, look, I'm not saying that you should, you have to stand on something, you have to stand on principles, right? So, um, you don't want to jump from platitude to platitude because you you will never grow roots. You'll never have a real set of ethics. You'll basically be an American politician. But um, <laughs> you know, there it, there is. You should be very suspicious of your own motivations, right? Not not like in a paranoid kind of way, but just ask the question: Am I am I doing this shit for the right reason? Am I the one that's fucked up here? If not, then move on and deal with the problem or whatever. But um, we do have, I, I don't know why, but we have this proclivity to blame everybody else. And I don't understand that. It's like, it would be one thing if we were the only ones, like if you were the only individual who was making a certain mistake or facing a certain kind of problem, there might be some level of societal shame involved in not wanting to expose that. But that, right, it doesn't make any, and being wrong about things too is another one. I don't understand people who get so, uh, like pride of authorship or butthurt about being corrected. It's like everything that you know, everything, literally everything, unless you've made some primary discovery, which is incredibly rare. <laughs> everything you know, you one, you were wrong about all the way up until the point that you were right about it. Mm -hmm. Over and over again, you were wrong about it. And then two, you learned it from either your, a mistake or somebody else taught it to you. So why would you be egotistical? Why, why would it be a d damaging to your ego? Um, to be wrong and then get corrected and then because cause I, I don't get that it's like I can't I can't dunk a basketball right oh no that's not embarrassing to me why the fuck would that be embarrassing it would be I mean maybe for you because you're it's, so tall but right um, for a normal sized person you know yeah like so that'd be generally upsetting but I yeah. think for most people when it comes to you know they're it's it's multiple things right you've got the people become married to their ideas because you know if they're taught these ideas from a young age it becomes their identity it becomes mm. their system of beliefs and whether it's a, a limiting belief or it's a true belief do i know this to be true do i know this to be fact that's people's makeup and so when you shake the foundation of their their true reality and what they believe to be reality and you say well hey this behavior or hey you shouldn't be upset that you can't do this you're that's why people get the way they get. You're a very different human in the way that you're wired and that 
you don't marry to ideas. I mean, you don't marry to ideas. You have opinions on things that ebb and flow based on outcomes of situations. And you're able to decipher those differently. Most people, though, you have to remember, are not like that. They're taught one thing that bakes into their DNA and identity and how they move about the world and how they show off to the world how they perceive the world and that reality. So when you shake that, you're going to get a response mm. from people who don't know how to adapt to change or uh, new information. Sure. Yeah, but I wasn't raised that way either. No, but you're I, wired I, different. I was. I, well, maybe. Yeah, sure. No, but for I, sure. We're all sure. I, 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 was, uh, I was raised in a place where it was not okay to question things. Right. Religion, parents, fucking commands or whatever the fuck, right? right? Um. So you've done uh, the complete opposite then. Sure, yeah. But I'm not, I, I don't think, I, I, for some periods of time, I've been a contrarian about stuff because I think it's funny just to be like a curmudge, like, fuck, nah, I don't believe in anything. Fuck you, you right. know what I mean? But I believe in all sorts of stuff. I mean, my entire life is built around the principles I believe in. So We've had uh, some conversations where I've saw the depths that's actually mm-hmm. resides there that don't flip-flop that are right in your, yeah. your line. Yeah, but I fucking, um, that's not how I was raised. Um, Although I, to be skeptical to some degree about certain things, yes, but for the most part, it was uh, mostly compliance based, which is I think common because it's the easiest way to do it, right? Yeah. Like it's, I guess we all know the trope of the five year old is asking why over and over again, right? I'm sure you've heard that several mm-hmm. times, um, and it, yeah, it's frustrating. It's yeah. frustrating, but I I encourage people when that happens to take a step back for a single second, literally take three ba- three deep breaths, and remember when you're at that age. Everything that these children are doing at that age is the first time they're doing it. It's mm. the first time they're hearing it or seeing it or experiencing the feelings that come with the situation or the thing they just watched. So it's really frustrating at that time. But if you can separate yourself for a second from what you're really truly annoyed about in the world, not the child, because you're not really annoyed that the child's asking you why. Mm. You're annoyed because you're stressed out about the bills and the things going on in your in the life outside of being the parent. and those feelings come into the home and they're short fuse and how many people actually sit down and give the kid the time and say i'll answer that question what's next what's next because as soon as you face that head on and you go what do you want to know they go uh oh uh oh a lot of time it's an attention tactic sure yeah i mean so larry hagner do you know him that the dad edge do you know this guy no it's really good Uh, he's a buddy of mine he he's um talks about this stuff a lot and one of the ways that you engage a child is uh, instead of it's active listening, right? So you're right. asking them questions. You're, you're pretend you're interviewing the kid and and listen, actually listen to what they say and ask a thoughtful follow up question is a really important thing to do. So when his kids get home from school every day, he asks them three things. Uh, uh, tell me about the best part of your day to day, something that brought you joy, something that made you laugh, et cetera. And then you guide them. And your follow-up question or whatever your follow-up comments about that, you guide them towards gratitude. Like, oh, that must have been really fun or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That you're Like, how lucky do you feel to have whatever the fuck, right? Um, and then the second one is, uh, tell me something you failed at today. Right. And then the follow-up, the immediate follow-up question is, well, what did you learn from failing? Do you think you could succeed at it again or did you go about it the wrong way or whatever? Because it challenges them. Um to be thoughtful about not not their behavior so much, but their approach. Right. You know what I mean? Or were you really paying attention? Like, no. Well, next time, fucking pay attention, asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and because kids will get when you internalize those things, when you fail and you internalize it, 
you become disappointed in yourself. Right. And it's like putting, it's like having a backpack on and you're just putting more weight in that backpack and thinking you're going to be able to jump higher mm -hmm. at some point. That's just not how life works. So it kind of programs a growth mindset into the child, but also returns all of this, the outcome of things back to personal responsibility. Right. You are responsible for fucking how your life goes. And then the last thing is, uh, the last question is, tell me, or not question, but the last thing he says is, tell me something, tell me what you're most excited about for tomorrow. So it right? gets them, yeah, so, I see So we've it. done our AAR for the day mm -hmm. now, right? But then we focus, like, the, the point here is to, this was good, this was not so good, so what are we going to learn and, and focus on tomorrow, right? Right. So stuff like that is going to, it's not going to eliminate the, come look at my hand yeah, or whatever stupid shit kids yeah. say. It's not going to eliminate that. But it does, like, it makes them introspective in a way that's positive, that's based on personal responsibility and growth. Instead right. of being introspective in a way that's insecure. Like, oh, I, I failed at this, so I shouldn't ever do it again. Well, the other right? thing you get from that, too, is a sense of self-worth and self-love. Mm -hmm. And my parents want to be around me i'm not here to be here my parents care they want to know so that means it builds in the idea that i can talk to them about things i can come to them with ideas i can have the conversations where most children in the relationships i see is very transactional go do this go do this did you eat this what did you get what would that look like mm -hmm. how did that feel you're not giving them a a true sense of your time and your energy because it's not truly active listening. You're looking for a response. You're not looking for uh, a thought process or a deeper conversation. And I mean, I get at a certain age for some children, for sure, that takes a little bit longer. But the sooner you start that, the sooner they're going to open up in a much easier way. And you've got, like you said, that zero to six, zero to seven age, mm -hmm. that, that wiring there is so important. And if you can work on the self-love piece and the self-worth piece, and teaching that growth mindset that early, it's gonna make life so much easier. This episode is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros, ghostbed. It's the best bed in the world, it's the most comfortable, sheets, pillows, the whole thing. I've got them all, man. And you know, they wanted to extend their best possible offer to drink it bros. They've been with us for a very long time. So this is the email they sent us. We want Drink It Bros to get the best offer, so I updated the code for 50% site-wide. That's 50% site-wide. Use the code Drinkin' Bros. Drinkin' Bros with no G. For 50% off site-wide, everything that you buy on this site is going to be 50% off. Again, they get the best pillows, sheets, mattresses. They get the mattress protector. Uh, if, you're, if you're sloppy and spill things and you don't want to jack up your mattress they have pretty much everything you need they've got weighted blankets now they've got the adjustable base which we really like i've got one in my home so go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros use the code drink it bros for 50 percent off site-wide and don't forget about their pay-to-go plan if you're with approved credit you're going to be able to pay this thing off over the course of three to five years for 25 to 35 bucks a month it's nothing go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros today Use the code Drinky Rose for 50% off. This episode is also brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. The best coffee in the world. As a matter of fact, they won both the gold and bronze medal at the Golden Bean Awards this year. 
for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category. So the best coffee on earth literally was Circus Bear by Black Rifle, one of their ECS. So I recommend that you go sign up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. And, uh, you know, you get all the benefits for being in the coffee club. You get the free shipping. You get access to all the partner deals. Uh, uh, you get access to the exclusive coffee club. You get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does. You know, it's a very large club that they have over there. And the coffees are premium. Every single one of them is good. Uh, you, you're going to get experience for you. You can do just the plain coffee club. And if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silencer smooth or whatever it is you drink, you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ECS, the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like. You know what I mean? So then you can order those premium coffees from Black Rifle as well. So, and we all know they got the best branding, the best merch, and they're buddies. You know, we're all friends here. Uh, we love Black Rifle. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, or buy something. Do whatever you want. Um, use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. Yeah, I think mapping the pathway to self-love is really important uh, mm-hmm. because we don't I, – I don't know many people. I Actually, maybe two who are act like currently raising children, at least I'm sure there are more just people I've personally spoken to this about this who um, go out of their way to associate service with joy, right? Like, mm, cause yes. for the, the relationships that define us, our closest friendships and our marriages for the most part, right? Kids are a different story, but our, clo- our closest um, friendships and our marriages will define us as human beings in a lot of ways. Um, for most people, like for, for most men, the vast majority of men, not like 99 point whatever, um, the most joy they're going to get is service to their spouse, their wife, being like seeing her respond positively to being protected and provided for and whatever the fuck else, right? Mm-hmm. And then for the woman, it's going to be receiving that and uh, appreciating, respecting the man, whatever the fuck, providing for her family and creating a safe Mm-hmm. productive household and shit like that and the same thing extends to your friends like if you're the kind of person your friends can come co- talk to uh maybe it becomes tedious sometimes but if you reflect on it it's a good thing right like that's a that's a very positive thing that's that's really positive uh energy and behavior that you're putting out for somebody to trust to come to you and talk about stuff like that um well it was my angelou i think the the quote <clears throat> goes along the lines of like it's no one's going to remember what you did or, or who you were, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's at the, you know, the, the forefront of that. It, it's how you show up. It's how you show up to your children. It's how you show up with your spouse. It's how you show up and what you do for them and how you make them feel in your presence. I think that's the biggest thing. If somebody feels good around you or they leave that conversation feeling much better mm. and they've enjoyed it whether it's just a one-off encounter or you know a full in-depth conversation you know you've done something right it doesn't you don't have to be some spectacular person in this world sure. it's the energy that you put out it is so so significant yeah yeah so you know having the kid understand that because it is a biological fact that mm-hmm. that's good. the reason that we fucking build these societies is because we were naturally selected over time out of the crop of all available primates, right? Human beings and, and their ancestors to be the type of people who 
uh, care about others, make friends with them, because the result of that is to build strong, resilient communities to mm -hmm. protect against existential threats. It's very basic fucking biology. So you map that on to just your daily life. You are hardwired to be a servant to other people, to be a servant leader, as a matter of fact, right. to other people. So um, do if you if you can try to deny your programming all you want, but that is literally mental illness. You know what I mean? But so, you, you also have the when you teach self-love and a life of service that, you know, approaching the world with an open hand instead of a closed fist, <clears throat> when you when you come at a life of service, it doesn't just help the individual it helps you and it fills your cup in ways that people unless you've done acts of service you mm. don't experience it's the only way mo the vast yeah. majority of people unless there's something wrong with you probably it's the only way you're ever going to feel truly fulfilled right you know like your your, your sense your, your purest sense of joy is going to come from um having served someone else whether maybe somebody you've never seen before even it's like um my email signature i can't remember where i fucking read this but it's been my email signature for like 15 years. Um, it says, you can never live a perfect day until you do something for someone who can never repay you. Right. Right. Um, now, a lot of people in our lives are going to be able to repay us for that stuff. But the point is that, like, the reward isn't the point. The reward is the joy, I suppose, right? Because that's, like, I, I don't know. I'm sure everybody who can who's listening to this can has at least one example in their life, one instance, if not many, where... You know, somebody needed something and they helped them with it. The person showed appreciation and everybody felt good, mm -hmm. right? That's like kind of the fundamental basis of life. That's how, that's why we've built all of this stuff, right? Is because of that interaction with each other and what it does for us, which is to say it makes us mentally healthy. It makes us strong. It is viral. It makes us go do that for other people when mm -hmm. we receive it. And that interconnectivity is what protects us from not just physical existential threats like you know, the wolves or bad actors, human beings that are bad actors or whatever, but also from, uh, uh, you know, bad ideas, bad ethical ideas, even our own insecurity, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it, that is the armor that we wear. The service that we do for other people that brings us joy is the armor that we wear through life that makes us stronger and more resilient. I think the more you do for others, the better the better not only that you feel but those around you feel because you you show up differently the energy is different and the way that you respond to situations are different right it gives you opportunities of, for growth you could be met with a difficult situation but it's an opportunity to show up differently it, and i know it sounds really lame and really silly but you choose to respond and how you choose to respond is how the world's going to treat you and, and that's that woo woo side that some people have a hard time with but you know, when you're faced with some of these adversity, these little opportunities to show growth, if you can, you can capture every single one as an opportunity to show growth and you can truly uh, exploit it in the way that you are able to show up the way you should have, it's not only going to help you, but it's going to help those around you mm. so much more. Well, we've been raised um, in the, to borrow your phrase, the self-love era, mm. right? Which is... You know, you should certainly take care of yourself. If you're, if you consider yourself a machine, if you're not operating correctly, then you're not going to be helpful to anybody. Certainly, but uh, the pri be, having yourself being a primary focus is a mistake. Like we've we've been raised to chase happiness, but that's mm -hmm. not how happiness works, man. No. You can't. They can, there's a reason they call it chasing the dragon and not catching the dragon, right? Um, if you don't believe me, ask Kate Spade or Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> 
but you can't because they're fucking dead, right? So Jesus it's like Christ. people, people. I'm I'm 100 serious. People at the top of their game, wealthy, everything they want in the yeah. world. There's nothing they can't buy or do, and they killed themselves anyways because they weren't fucking. They weren't reaching for the right things. They weren't their their focus was wrong. Okay, right? listen to me, suicide panel. It's die by suicide. You're gonna get raked over the coals. What's that? <laughs> when you do your panel next week, mm-hmm. die by suicide. Instead of what? Uh, committed suicide. I don't give a fuck. I know no, you no, don't. No, no one, I, don't no, I don't care that if, you give a fuck. If someone's gonna correct me about the banality, <clears throat> of listen. My I learned this the hard way, and themselves. so I'm just going to let you know because you're doing a suicide prevention panel. And you're, I, I the, you're, you're the expert. You and Kennedy are the expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I don't. I, I've never. I've. I've met way more suicidal people than somebody that would say that. And I've never heard one of it's them give up. a fuck about saying committed. Just I don't care. That's fucking gay and stupid and pointless. Hey, uh, at any rate, focus up, champ. I'm uh, just saying, giving you some tools. You yeah. choose whether you want to put that in the toolbox or not. I'm going to put that in the garbage can. Okay, perfect. All right. Um, well, I've said my piece. We all know how I feel. Um. Oh, dance marked. Yeah. So you saw it. Everybody kills themselves. Yeah. Right? But fucking blow their brains out or hang themselves, cut their fucking wrists or We're take drugs to... or whatever else, okay. you know? It doesn't, like, none of these, what, there, there are, I am not particularly religious, but there are some things that the Bible gets right that other religious texts get right. Um, we are not of this world. That's true. Like we, we think of ourselves as physical beings, right. but we are spiritual beings, whether you believe in uh, an afterlife or whatever the fuck. I don't mm-hmm. care about any of that. It doesn't even cross my mind. But we do exist inside of our own heads. We are not, we, we are not a, a, a body. We are, we are a, um, and we're not a mind either. We're like a fucking soul inside of yeah, a Yeah, we're fucking, an energy source. Yeah, it's like you have to think about it that way. And if you do then you'll realize that none of these physical objects that you're able to acquire through life are going to mean a goddamn thing to you at the end of the day. Most people who are successful that I would know, they, they thrive the best when they're doing the things that fill the energy source. And that's why you hear the things when people are like, well, I take, you know, I take all these medications that are supposed to help me, but they numb you out because they distract you and pull away from the energy source. That's why. Well, they either numb you out or they simulate the feeling that you're actually supposed to have, which right. is Right, and the way that you truly do that mm. and with having all the access in the world, is the happiest you'll still be is with your feet in the grass out in nature. There's a reason why it's, it charges the energy source that, that is within you. And so if you are able to <clears throat> attain a few very simple things, clean water, good food, outside, sun, ground, you're going to be much happier than the person who has, and I don't care what anybody says, millions of dollars who has all of the things but has no happiness at all because they never do anything that actually uplifts the energy source. They mm. only do the uh, external things that the, the world says that they should be doing that will make them happy. Yeah. And it won't. No, it for sure won't. I mean, it's not, it not, not only will it not make you happy, but you'll feel like I'm doing all the right things. My life, circumstantially mm-hmm. speaking, is very good, and I'm still miserable. And that's when people blow their fucking brains out, right? Because it doesn't make out of context grief is one of the most dangerous things. Like mm-hmm. when you when everything seems to be going well, and you still still feel like shit, then all hope evaporates. It's like, well, this is the best I can do. It's just gonna be like this. Fuck this. Boom. Well, right? that's what's tragic too, though, because you have people that can help with that. Mm-hmm. That you can have people that can come and say to you, this is how we're going to revamp it. You can have all of the toys, all of the money, all of the women, all of whatever you want. But your blind spot is here. And there are people that 
specialize in that. I'm one of those. <clears throat> it's perspective. When you're able to walk into someone else's life, you're not, you know, with the microscope, you're not the one in it. You're able to see the gaps and the holes that can be filled that can actually fulfill the happiness that you're so missing out on and the purpose, right? You've talked about purpose a lot and the importance of purpose. And if you're not driving toward a purpose, and I believe a more selfless purpose, it's going to feel hollow and empty. And that comes back to the service, like yeah. the acts of service. Yeah, well, it, the, it, it's just the mechanics of things, right? It's like it's, uh, like a fucking sound wave bouncing off things. The way that we put energy out into the world and the way we receive and interpret it, it all really matters. It's why, like, this fucking, even generational trauma, stuff that happened to your parents that fucking travels downstream uh, is it, so... I guess, delimiting for a person's character sometimes because it's hard to get over. Well, um, you also don't necessarily know where it's coming from mm -hmm. and you'll be in a situation where that, a portion of that that maybe would have been a, a grandparent's response mm -hmm. just shows up and it just comes up and you catch it off guard and you don't know really where it came from or how to fix it. And a lot of people struggle with that intergenerational trauma title because when you hear that, it's how do you fix someone else's life before? How do you fix the thing that came down genetically? And that's where mm -hmm. I lean into the, the deeper work and that more spiritual side of things, because that's really where it lies. It doesn't lie in, in you know, repenting for that person's problem and you know, talking to somebody in a church about it. You may feel better about it, but you're not doing the, the spiritual work that's going to affect the mm -hmm. energy in your lineage and then the one after you. Yeah, all that stuff is fucking pointless to me. Which, what's that? Uh, like... The, the religious rituals oh, yeah, 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 specifically yeah. are fucking point. They, they don't, again, like you're saying, they don't really address the root cause. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, yeah, they don't, they certainly don't address the root cause. Um, Gandhi said the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, well, uh, for a lot of reasons, one, we're programmed to serve Two, um, there's this old adage that whatever, uh, whatever you, lack emotionally as a child you crave as an adult right so if it's, if it's attention from men this is what we call daddy issues mm -hmm. but there's so many fucking that's just the one that is kind of funny um and makes strippers but well attention too <clears throat> right if you have the child uh, attention of any kind right? yeah, yeah. yeah yeah certainly like a fa specifically physical affection right mm. so people that don't get it go one of two ways like as children they go one of two ways one they have an aversion to physical affection mm -hmm. or two they seek it out wherever they can find it right so it's neither of those things are particularly good um but the other thing it, so so down that vein this premise is um or this principle rather from gandhi is that is is such an effective one because you can you can track it backwards whatever issues you've had or you're ha even having now certainly if it's a dangerous situation put some distance between you and that situation but if you're just trying to heal from it the best way that you're ever going to be able to do that is to go help other people with the same goddamn problem like literally mm -hmm. the same problem that's why there's so many former drug addicts and drug treatment so many former suicidal people in suicidal treatment mm -hmm. so many abused women battered women who are now in those programs as well like that's there's a reason for that it happens without anybody it's natural it. like it just no, flows. you don't have to tell that person to go do it they just like they have a deep sense of empathy for that person uh, there's this old story, kind of a a tale from the West Wing. Let me make sure I get the right fucking phrasing here. I know. Well, when you get the phrasing, but I think you're right, though, when it comes to 
it just naturally happening and gravitating toward it because I think those are the best people, in my opinion, to be working with those individuals because they're going to have the most compassion and empathy. They're mm. going to show up the way they wished somebody else showed up for them. And so they're not only healing their inner child while providing that themselves, they're also then healing a next generation of a person. So you're getting that acts of service while doing the work all at the same time subconsciously. Mm. Yeah, here's the story. He says, this guy's walking down the street and he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. Um, a doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey, can you help me out? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down the hole and moves on. Uh, then a priest comes along and the guy shouts, Father, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me out? And the priest writes out a prayer, throws it down the hole, and then moves on. Then his friend walks by and he's like, Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps down in the hole with him. And our guy says, Are you stupid? Now we're both down here. And the friend says, uh, Yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Mm. Um, that's kind of the, the what, whatever you've faced or whatever you've learned in life, whatever lessons you have to teach, regardless of if you come about them positively or negatively, will define your life in some way, right? And if you can find a way to put those, to put that knowledge into service, that's going to fill you with more purpose than anything you ever do in your life, right? Yeah, and you don't have to make money off of it too, and you you can if you find a way to monetize it, or you can just do it because it's the right things to do. I, you see that a lot in our space in the veteran community. I mean, look at what you're doing, and look what you know Kate and all of these other amazing organizations like HHP are doing. A lot of this comes from <clears throat> these all individuals were struggling and found their way out of the dark on their own, but our community comes back to grab the others because mm. we're like, hey, we know how to fix this, we know how to do this. And that's why you're seeing so many different individuals heal now from our space is because no one's being left behind. We're picking up the slack where it was left by, say, the government or the VA or whatever you want to blame. Our community is coming back around to say, OK, well, I figured it out. And that's why you're seeing success in our space within that healing. Yeah, it's interesting. It is to see how things are going. There's still like I, I see a lot of the successes that are happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um but there's still more failure, right? A well, lot. there's tons. You're just not seeing it yeah. everywhere. I mean, it's people in these situations isolate themselves a lot. And look, you know, I've had plenty of friends kill themselves. It's uh, you can't you can't stop them all, unfortunately. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't accept that, but I know that it it's true. Well, you can't save everyone. Um, well, you can you can try. You can try, yeah, but. Um, I feel like we're. All, I feel like. Uh, the people who have come out of the dark in that way, especially in our community, that we and, and people don't have to like this statement, and that's fine, and it's maybe not where people's heart lies, but this is my true north is like, there's an obligation. You 100% have mm. to come back and help people. Mm -hmm. You have to. Well, you don't want to be the kind of person that climbs the ladder and then pulls it up with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's oh, a thousand percent. You're a cunt. You, you see that, that a lot, but you know what? You do see that because mm. the ego attaches and you do <clears throat> see that in our space and there are plenty of people there. Well, that's that's just like caveman thinking. It's mm -hmm. it's Maslow's hierarchy to some degree. It's like uh, the uh, the finite resource theory, I guess, that if anybody else has this and I'm going to have less of it. Right. People think that way, right? But that's not how Not even close. It's, it's the complete opposite. Yeah, it's like, reciprocity. Yeah, when we, you have that, it's beautiful. Yeah, we built civilization. We learned farming counter to this idea. So like when human beings were developing socially and scientifically, 
a couple of thousand, 10,000, 12,000 years ago or something. We learned farming and it's in, it's diametrically opposed to this idea that we have to, uh, uh, make others go without so we can have things, you know what I mean? And that's the worst part of humanity manifests itself in that way. These aristocracies, this idea of the King's deer that we see from like middle evil, mid- medieval and, and feudalist, uh, Europe where the Royal class owns all the good meat mm-hmm. and you guys can eat peasant mm-hmm. food or whatever the fuck, right? It's always the worst, most egocentric and unempathetic people and culture who behave that way. Right. Right. So you cannot let yourself fall into that trap. No matter how bad things get for you, you should, if you're starving to death and a piece of food comes around, you, you fucking look around to other people and make sure mm-hmm. they're taken care of as well. Otherwise you'll all die eventually. Right? Well, it's a mindset of lack, right? It's this mindset of lack, this, this scarcity <clears throat> mindset that we've baked into individuals where the idea of thinking abundantly is foreign. Right. It's that idea of calm is chaos and chaos is calm. It's no different when it comes to the mindset of abundance. People don't ever believe there's enough to go around. Mm. Doesn't matter the profession you're in, the job, the business, whatever it may be. There is this innate idea that if I am if I am here, then there's not enough room for others. When Well, there's plenty of room. There's so much room. And we have to remove this idea of lack. It's a constant problem because people just don't believe that others can succeed and so they're unwilling and there's you know to to, you're probably not gonna like this but i thought it was so fantastic you know kind of quote to quote cat williams there it's like there's gatekeepers but there doesn't need to be gatekeepers Mm. because there should be no fucking gates it's not that difficult why would i not like that well i just i don't know i didn't know how you felt about him or that did you listen to that yeah okay it was wild but anyway i I don't i don't really listen to things that people say to be honest no and that's totally fine i think the one thing i took from that was the that scarcity mentality spreads across multiple different industries and multiple Mm. different platforms and it's whether you're at the what i liked about the way he illustrated is whether you're at the top or you see these people at the top of their professions there is still a scarcity mindset regardless Mm. of the millions or billions of dollars in the bank they can't fathom others becoming successful well that's what's going on with this is how the environmentalist shit began right right back in the middle part of the 20th century where we thought we were going to run out of fossil fuels that's not true by the way in a billion years we're not running out of fossil fuels um, not that we shouldn't diversify. It's always good to be more resilient, right? Like solar is a, is a good good idea. We just have to make it better. But um, scarcity makes you think um, that life is a zero sum game, mm-hmm. right? It's like if I have things, or if I don't have if I if I don't have all of this thing, then somebody else is going to get it, and that means I won't have it. Uh, uh, depletion is another one, right? It's like, okay, well, we're running out of everything. It's like, no, we're not. If, if, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know why people don't understand how resilient a goddamn planet is. A Mars-sized object about 4 billion years ago slammed into the side of the Earth, added one-third of, of the mass to the Earth, blew the crust off, accretion creates the moon over the next couple hundred thousand years, and uh, here we are. Well, like you know, calm the fuck down, dude. But you know why they're doing that. It's a control. <clears throat> oh, certain, certainly. So they you know are, yeah. where it's coming from for um, the majority of it. Yeah, and it, and it, the the last major way that the scarcity thing mindset kind of manifests itself is through uh, what what I guess you could call, although it sounds kind of bitchy, you could call it just un- generalized unfairness, right? When mm. you start to that, this is where caste systems come from. Well, there's not going to be enough, so me and all my friends are going to gobble this stuff up. 
and protect it and hoard it from other people. And you guys are just going to have to make do. And because of the additional wealth and health that you get from having those better things, you become the ruling class over mm -hmm. some period of time, a couple hundred years, maybe a couple thousand, right? Depending on what it is. But you see that in industry too. <clears throat> hmm? You see that in well, industry. Well, it happens way faster in industry. Oh, it's because, super fast. Because it's those very are obvious. those are closed markets that mm -hmm. are that are often rigged, right? And and everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back in the day in general society, you know, slave rebellions happen, fucking wars happen and shit like that. But in business, especially in the West, in capitalism in the West, not real capitalism, but unchecked crony capitalism, which is what we really have, right? Like politics-driven yeah, capitalism. Yeah, wild. Um, it always ends in the same way. And again, you take away... So here's some of the, the negatives, or here's some of the positive things that you miss out on. Um, you miss out on ingenuity, right? And it's the same reason that socialist countries can never keep up, right. whether it's a fucking Islamic dictatorship in the Middle East or Russia, right? Or even China. China's still using fucking third and fourth generation fighters. Like, if people are worried about China and China's military, we would wipe them out immediately. You think so? Yes, we have fifth and sixth generation. Well, a sixth mm. generation fighters on the way. Um, just our, our air force is the largest air force in the world. The second largest air force in the world is our Navy, the United States Navy. Right. right? Um, we, there's no country on earth that can compete with us because of those two things. But wouldn't you just rather not? I would rather not, certainly. Yeah, yeah. that's not the point. The point is that... These, these countries can't keep up with the U.S. because of this socialist mindset. Now, we're getting into some of it, too, with the crony capitalism, and the results are very often the same. But it takes away not just the impetus for ingenuity, but the confidence to do it, right? Mm. So if you're in a scarcity mindset, you're just hunter, you're, you're just gathering, just trying to keep stuff, right? right. But the pioneer is foraging the inventor is inventing mm -hmm. when when things when you have an i guess they, i think they call it an abundance mindset yeah um and that creates growth more innovation growth but exponential growth because if you learn a new skill and you keep it to yourself then only you know it and then you die and it goes away mm -hmm. right so it doesn't scale. But if you teach other people, not only will it scale, but they'll figure out new ways to implement that. And all mm -hmm. of society benefits from it. And then more and more opportunity for individuals happens, right? Because you are passing along that information. It's incubating in certain places. People coming up with different ideas in different regions, whatever the fuck. And we're, it's a meritocracy. We're testing to see what works the best. And then... If you have that growth mindset, that fucking abundance mindset, then you're not just sharing this to share it, but sharing it to collaborate, which means now we're working together and things are building better and better. I mean, I look at something like the Roman aqueducts. And one person didn't invent that shit. Right. Somebody understood the math. Somebody understood the engineering. Somebody understood the civil part of it, right? Mm -hmm. And these people, maybe maybe it was dozens of people for each one of those categories, and they worked together to build what is, in my opinion, the most impressive 
creation in human civilization history. It's, it's so wild when you go over to Europe, too, and there's just the fountains. I, when I was in Europe in August, I, I said this to my mother-in-law. I said, the one thing that I, I love about the way people handle the homeless here is the innate given right to always have access to clean drinking water. Where, you know, in North America with our homeless population or with the, the have-nots, if you will, there's no access to things like clean running water or, or any opportunities to be able to do, um, get themselves out of the situations they're in. But they're so successful in it in so many other countries. And mm -hmm. I, the, the foundations obviously were laid through those aqueducts, having the access to water and having those. And I just think it was such a, it was a really beautiful thing to witness. And I know it sounds silly, but having access to clean drinking water, that alone right there can change people long term and the trajectory of where they go. Yeah. Yeah. There were, yeah. um, I mean, it's like the benefit of that was certainly clean drinking water, but also water to like clean, like take baths. And yeah. That's shit. what I mean. Like, like the, just hygiene. the general access. Yeah. And it was, um, the, the combined length of the aqueducts was about 800 kilometers. Right. That's this, insane. this is, this is in, I don't know exactly when they started building them, but they were completed by the first century BC. Right. So um, and some of them run 50 plus miles on, and, and, and it never, they never get, they, they never go at a higher than a 1% grade. Right. Right. Which yeah, means it's it never, very gradual. It, yeah. It never per kilometer. It never drops more than, than a hundred uh, uh, meters basically. Right. So it's like to, to even be able to do that back then without modern tools and shit is fucking crazy to me. Right. That's why I like talking to uh, Jimmy Corsetti <clears throat> about that stuff. I think it's, he, you know, the understanding of how things are mm -hmm. built back then is so fascinating to me Yeah, and, and the way that they do it and how effective they were at, were at it. And yet somehow we can't build a house that lasts more than 40, 50 years. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess if we, I mean, built them in a way that was to make sure they last instead of for just comfort, you right. know, we probably wouldn't have so many heavy metals and plastics in our drinking water. But how about that new uh, report that came out about the drinking water as he yeah. drinks out of a plastic bottle? <laughs> yeah, it's too late for me. Yeah, for sure it is. But I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty gnarly, though. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty fucked up. It's 100 ppm, basically, and 100,000 um a hundred thousand individual pieces of plastic in a single water bottle or something like that. Think about like overseas and the amount of water bottles you drank out of and uh, all of the things just in those time periods alone. Yeah. yeah I'm all, I'm all toxic exposure out. <laughs> I'm fucking. <laughs> When's the lawsuit starting? For nah, you? I don't care about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, uh, this has been a good conversation. We got to get going. So we got to okay. do another show here in a minute. Okay. Thanks so, man. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find you and find all the shit you do yeah so uh for social media if you want to follow my random life content it's just kelsey underscore sharon uh spell it k-e-l-s-i-e -E underscore s-h-e-r-e-n and then you can find everything else i'm doing on my website at kelseysharon.com or our products at brass and unity there you go thanks for coming thanks man yep and uh thank you all for listening this has been citizen At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.